Hi, welcome to Find My Next Office podcast. My name is Karina Irvin, and I'm the founder of Peninsula Commercial Real Estate Group. Each episode, I'm going to sit down with clients of mine to talk about their experience as an entrepreneur and also learn about their journey in finding their next office. Please enjoy this next episode, and thanks so much for listening. At the beginning of each episode, we talk about frequently asked questions in commercial real estate. On today's episode, I'm going to address the question I always get, which is, what is due upon lease signing? So typically, what is due upon lease signing is your first month's rent, your security deposit, and your certificate of insurance. So first month's rent is due even if your commencement date is a few months out. So the landlord always wants you to prepay that upon lease signing. The security deposit can vary depending on the credit, which I address that topic on security deposit in episode five. So if you have any questions about that, check it out. And the certificate of insurance you'll get from your insurance agent. So again, to summarize, those three things are what is typically due, first month's rent, security deposit, certificate of insurance, and you can move right in. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Find My Next Office. I'm so excited to have our guest today, Brittany Tran. Brittany is the founder and chief strategist of Good House, and Good House is an Asian-owned marketing agency that amplifies voices of female-led brands to help them connect with their customers. And she'll tell us more about her company. Um, Recently, there's some good news with Good House. Um, It was recently (laughs) selected by Google to be featured on an Asian-owned company's ad for their Google map. So welcome, Brittany. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much for having me, Karina. Great introduction. (laughs) I'm always really shy when I hear an introduction of myself and my background, uh, but thank you. Yeah, well, you're such an accomplished female entrepreneur. I know that you, you know, prior to starting your own company, you also worked at Netflix, other marketing agencies, and some TV stations. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you started? Yes, of course. Um, my, I'm originally from Texas, and uh, I currently live in California. I've been here for about six years now. Um, I've been in the advertising space for, I want to say, 10 to 12 years And I actually um, moved from Texas to Asia. So I I feel like I started my career in Asia as an advertising television commercial producer. Um, And I learned so much because this is from about 2008 onwards. And it was a time where you're kind of bringing in a lot of big brands from uh, Coca-Cola to Tide to so many uh, P&G products. And they're all new to the territory, into the area. So not only are you working alongside big brands, you're working with directors and cinematographers, advertising agencies that are new to the industry or to the territory. And so I feel like I got a really fast um, education in advertising and all things creative in this industry uh, during my uh, rough like five, six years in Asia. And then uh, during, right after Asia, I actually moved to Australia for a little bit, um, but then moved back to the States. And I just didn't feel like Texas was a, Texas was a, a space where I could really uh, hone into advertising. So I moved to um, Los Angeles 
then continued my journey um, in the creative industry. My last stint before I uh, decided to, my, to do my own thing was at Netflix. And so at Netflix, I was headhunted on LinkedIn. And I feel like that's where I uh, know Jerry. And um, headhunted on LinkedIn to work in the product industry. So it's a, as a product producer where I ended up working back with content creators in Asia and working alongside Korean content, uh, Asian content, Southeast Asian content that was at the time new to the Netflix platform. So fast forward to about 2008, um, I decided I really just wanted to do my own thing after years of spending time working in a corporate setting. And so within that corporate setting, I just really wanted to hone in uh, my skills and work alongside women and Asian American creators. And I developed and started a good house. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I mean, obviously our listeners, there's a lot of our listeners who are in the same journey of, you know, starting in corporations, getting that experience and then branching out and starting their own company. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that transition, like leaving a big company like Netflix, like what is the mindset? What is the process? You know, obviously the, the name of the podcast is Find My Next Office, which we'll get to shortly. But I think more importantly, I want to understand your journey about transitioning from a big firm, starting your own company and, and kind of how, how that process was like for you. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, definitely transitioning from a cushy corporate job to, you know, being an entrepreneur and starting your own thing is definitely not easy. Um, a little bit in between that time from Netflix to uh, Good House to where it is today, I, from you know, I started Good House. I wanted to do it full time, but I also had to pay the bills. So I actually took on a lot of producing jobs that was still uh, back in Asia or just somewhere that is not in Los Angeles. So I was still doing, you know, odd producing jobs, advertising gigs, creative pursuits. And then I eventually decided that, you know what, I need to go in like 100%. I didn't want to dip my toes in any longer. So when I decided to go 100%, um, I needed to be able to be very frugal uh, and practical, and uh, but also stay optimistic. So when I first started Good House, it was a solely work from home, um, and so my entire team, you know, started with myself, and eventually I was able to hire um, one person, then one person turned into two, and then now around seven with additional vendors and uh, contractors that we work with. But for at least the first uh, two years, two and a half years, I would say, was work from home. I mean, I started Good House at the end of 2018, but we officially didn't launch until 2019, which we all know what happened in 2020. And so a majority of our team were already working uh, from home. And so we just kind of, you know, transitioned to um, working from home and then eventually in 2021 or actually no sorry earlier this year working with karina working with you to really find the office and find a space because that full-time thing that going all in allowed me to really reap rewards and those rewards uh, allowed me to have space and financial stability to be able to get an office yeah and i love i love the journey that you and i went on because i remember before the pandemic we started this we started this search and I think it's important for listeners and they can learn from your journey of, hey, you know, you have this idea of what an office, you know, could be. You look at the numbers and you're like, as a startup, we need to make sure we're responsible. 
And then so you kind of bootstrap and you find and you and, and you um, transition to other to other spaces. So tell us a little bit about that journey, if you can, and, and our listeners can can learn from that about looking for, you know, upper floor space and, you know, looking at high rise buildings and looking at the you know, arts district of downtown and kind of transitioning, because I think a lot of our listeners can learn from that and how you came through that analysis. Yeah, I mean, before I started looking for a job, the goal was always to have a creative space because the thing about advertising agencies, just creators, is like, you know, those ideas come when we're just sitting there. We need to be able to bounce ideas off of one another. And it's hard when you need to schedule a meeting and like, you know, make sure that the schedule works and then hop on the call and then plan for all of those things that you can't really plan for creativity. Um, And so when we were working from home a little bit before COVID, we came uh, into my home kitchen, which was a, you know, an island in the middle of my kitchen. We were able to kind of sit together in this, like we were able to sit together, talk and have no desk and just all work together. And that was really nice. And my goal and my dream was to always have an office. So um, during that time, I decided, you know, let's go start exploring, let's dream a little bit. And um, I work with you uh, to look at a few office spaces, but it had to be very specific, not only the financial uh, constraints, but also a creative open workspace uh, in a building that I felt like allowed for entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs to really feel inspired often. Because, you know, I think with the corporate office, we looked at so many different office buildings. And the thing with the uh, corporate office building is that sometimes it could be a little bit stagnant and still. I definitely didn't want that. And so in working with you um, and visiting so many different offices, uh, we came across actually this office that I am in today. But, you know, I was a little bit more aspirational. And the office spaces that we looked at were upstairs. Um, And, you know, it was a little bit uh, more than we are paying now. And uh, it was, we were so close to signing it. I went with like two other team members, took photos in front of it. We're like, we're ready, let's go, let's do this. And then COVID hit. Um, And we had to make the hard decision to not do it. But in hindsight, I feel like it put us on a track that we were supposed to be on. Where then now we're back at the same office building, but you know, we're a couple floors lower and we pay significantly less um, and we're so much happier um, now, where we are now. And I think that's great because the flexibility of being able to look at a different space and create this beautiful office that you that you have in there. And so what you did there, and I think another lesson that people can learn is how you designed your open space and how you have beautiful furniture and the vibe of that office really inspires creativity. And I know that you got creative with bookshelves and renting some really nice furniture as opposed to buying it. Yeah. Do you mind sharing some of that journey? Because I love your office. I love the vibe. I love what you've done to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, share, share a little bit about that as well. Of course. Um, when I first got the space, it's completely open. There's no, I mean, there's no room, no doors outside of obviously the bathroom. Um, and everything is meant to be kind of like we're all sitting in the same space. And so the bare minimum essentials that I wanted to make sure that we have was comfortable seating and a large table for every team member. So we definitely got that and it's something that we must have. So I spent the time and the effort and the energy to uh, do my own IKEA runs. So I actually went to IKEA, did all the research, bought all the furniture, assembled them myself with the help of my fiance and my daughter. 
but a majority of the furniture, you know, hopefully nobody falls and, you know, nothing terrible happens, but I assemble them with my bare hands because I needed to save money. And then uh, other things like, uh, you know, that you mentioned from the sofa to the look and feel to different things that wouldn't necessarily need kind of like this long-term uh, commitment. Um, I found, uh, you know, websites and platforms like Oliver Space, Oliver Space, which we use today to rent a sofa, to rent, you know, the accompanying chairs to, you know, make the, the space look very appealing and up to the way that we would want it to look without that commitment. And so it's a monthly subscription. Um, after about six months, you can kind of uh, cancel or you can upgrade. Uh, and upgrade not necessarily with finances or paying more, but you can upgrade to change the look. If you no longer feel like you want a you know a brown sofa, you can change to like a bright fuchsia sofa, something fun without the commitment. So I feel like those uh, items that don't require that commitment allows us to stay kind of creative but frugal at the same time. Good lesson for our creative listeners out there. You know, you have such great taste and, you know, creative people have such great ideas and kind of putting that to, to, to your space. And it, it's great. It's gorgeous, gorgeous office. Um, so then our next, my next question is, since you've gotten this office, I know you've gotten lots of clients. You recently got chosen for Google. Uh, tell us about, tell us more a little bit about that. And what are you working on now? Yeah, um, that was an exciting project for us. We have been in this office since uh, December, so now in August for about seven and a half, eight months. Um, and we work here only three days out of the week, actually. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the full team's here. Thursday is kind of, you know, uh, in and out, depending on the projects that you have. And Friday, we all work from home, and we have very minimal work on Friday. So we like to call our team and refer to our team as like a four-day work week. Um, and on the note of the Google project, it was actually through word of mouth. Uh, Google found us, reached out to me, um, and asked if we would be interested in being a part of their campaign. One of, as an agency, as a startup, when you are aligned with a brand like Google, um, you say yes. You know, you say yes. You kind of read through the contract. Make sure your attorney reads through it as well. But you you lean to, to yes. And the project was uh, so exciting because it was a project that, enable Asian-owned businesses to kind of tag themselves and identify themselves to add that attribute to their location. And so when uh, they asked us to be a part of it, we were one of six here in LA. And so as a part of that commercial, uh, once we got selected, the planning process in working with the director, the uh, stylist and everyone, they came to our office and they said, are there other spaces? Because we're located in the basement, you know? We, you know, it's a pretty spacious space. We all, uh, there's about six of us that sits here on a daily basis. But I think for a production team, for a commercial of scale like Google, they need a little bit more of the natural lighting. They needed that to look a little bit differently, especially when you're bringing a bunch of, um, you know, creators and production team. You need a huge space. So we actually scouted the other floors. We went back upstairs. We scouted the other floors and they selected a much bigger office, which, you know, if you look at the commercial, you're like, oh, cool, Good House has a nice office. And yes, it looks similar, but it's not our office. Um, and that's when I realized I need to figure out ways 
to work more, work harder, work smarter, so that way we can just get a bigger space to bring in more projects, bigger teams, and grow. Um, and so we actually shot that commercial in an office space, I believe on the third or fourth floor. And so what you see in the commercial is similar to our office. We have the same you know, uh, windows, the same kind of look and feel, but the space is definitely much larger. We do not have floor to ceiling <laughs> windows. Um, but yeah, that's when I, I feel like I realized that I just wanted a little bit more space for my team. Yeah, no, I love I love your honesty about that. But the reality of it is, you know what? Everybody takes time to get there. And the beauty of being in a project like where you are, is you can utilize those spaces. You can utilize yeah. the outdoors. So while you're not paying for that nice office, I'm sure the landlord was amenable to you borrowing that for a photo shoot, the exterior of the building. And it's very aspirational because I know you will get there. You yeah. and Good House will get there soon enough. Thank you so much. So. One more thing I want to delve into is the importance of community and giving back to the Asian community, which I know is a big part of, of you. And, you know, we're both female entrepreneurs. We're both of Asian descent. Um, I know that that is important to your business. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, how you got to that and the passion behind that? Certainly. Um, we actually, I actually started the, the, the agency and the goal was to actually work alongside women-owned and women-led businesses. And that was very much in our mission, in our positioning, in our messaging, everywhere across our, our platforms. Uh, and, and that's majority of the people that we work with. And so, and that came from the fact that I was a female producer on set and just kind of like, it was like a, from a very deep personal experience. But in uh, working at Good House and working alongside different businesses, we actually started to, um, by chance, uh, reposition the work to working with a lot of not only women, but uh, female uh, AAPI business owners. And so when we started to kind of transition the work to leading um, uh, with AAPI leaders, we, were, we, became, we became more exposed to you know, the difficulties of AAPI uh, as an identity here in the U.S., um, and then we came, became more exposed to education through different clients, um, you know, that are both located here and in Vietnam. And then, you know, we work with a lot of small businesses like restaurants and food and beverage, which, you know, during COVID took a really hard hit. And so as an agency, uh, you know, we were able to be really deep in their stories because we were the ones promoting their businesses online. We had to really figure out ways to pivot, really figure out ways to reposition their business. And when we started to do that, we started to recognize ourselves in those stories. And with, you know, by doing so, we as a team wanted to figure out ways to align this one business with other similar businesses within the AAPI community. And that just kind of, I think us as an agency, our clients, different brands, different businesses within our space started to recognize there are other people in the U.S. that are experiencing similar things with similar backgrounds. And I think by chance and everything just kind of came together, we started to recognize each other in, in, in our own stories. And so that itself kind of led to the community aspect that I feel like we see today that's so prevalent in uh Places like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Houston, New York, et cetera, because our clients are based there too. And because they're based there, we're able to kind of take 
their stories and see other similar stories within those communities and then see it online as well. So, you know, it's a big part of who we are and what we do, but then also a big part of our clients' uh, background and their stories. Well, kudos to you. Keep amplifying those voices because we do need that. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So at the, so the, at the end of each episode, I ask the guests the same three questions. Uh, so what the, number one, give us one piece of advice from your office space search experience that can help someone else as they go through the same process. One piece of advice, definitely have an agent. I would not know how to navigate working with so many different elements of finding an office space without you. Uh, if you don't know, Karina is also my agent and helping me finding my space. So definitely have an agent. And number two, um, you'll find, you'll see a lot of really interesting, really exciting, really nice office spaces. But stick to your budget. Um, stick to your budget because we uh, oftentimes, there are months where, you know, we don't make, um, we don't make enough. And so it's nice that our, uh, I can still pay for our office rent, even though we've had a hard month because I was able to, and I can still continue to be able to afford it. So being able to afford something that is realistic is really, really important. That's such great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely be responsible with those budgets. Yeah. Uh, and number two, what is your favorite entrepreneurial book to read? Oh, I have so many. I think my favorite book to this day that I still talk about with people is actually a book called Sales EQ. It's a very fast read. But uh, as a business owner, you have to, especially as a creative business owner, you have to know how to do your own sales um, and bringing in customers. And Sales EQ is in, uh, more about emotional selling versus monetary selling. And so when you can emotionally sell your product and helping to solve something that the client needs, it becomes less of like a sales, a salesy tactic and more of a how can I help you tactic. So I would recommend Sales EQ. Good advice. Good book. Adding that to my list as well. <laughs> uh, last question. What is, you kind of mentioned the journey of being an entrepreneur is not always easy, ups and downs, as we all know. So what keeps you going? What's your favorite motivational or inspirational quote on those days that it's not so easy? Um, I, ha I actually just had a conversation um, with a client yesterday about a very specific quote. I may be butchering it, uh, but it's about team. It's about HR, it's about hiring, it's about keeping team members and about when team members need to go. And it's, you know, um, a question that was posed what if you train your team and they uh, leave? And the response is, but what if you don't and they stay? And so that has always stuck with me because I would rather work and train and inspire and empower people, uh, whether it's clients, people we work with, or our team members to continue to grow and be curious. So that way, even if they leave your team, they are a fully formed someone that you can be you know, um, proud of versus keeping someone that just they're saying just to stay. So that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Brittany, for being my guest. Such a wealth of knowledge. Thank you for being so honest, so candid in this interview. Uh, I'm sure our listeners can learn a lot from you. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you, Thank you so much for having me. Brittany.